This is Unsportsmanlike with Chris Canty, Evan Cohen, and Michelle Smallman. Thursday night prop bets. Total points over under 40. Ooh, I'm going to go under on that one. I'm going under on that one. Low scoring affair. You sure about that? If it's 40, they're begging you to take the over. Not going to do it. The price is wrong. I thought there was a typo. You have Trevor Lawrence, Evan Ingram, Travis Etienne, Calvin Ridley, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. What, 40? It was my understanding that there would be no math. Okay, welcome to the show. It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. You can watch us on ESPN, too. <laughs> Listen to us <laughs> on all the ESPN stations across the country. Sirius XM Channel 80 and the ESPN app. And you can join the show, be a part of it. We welcome you in as part of Unsportsmanlike Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. You can call us at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper the ones fans deserve. Along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. Coming off of Thursday Night Football in which the over <laughs> did hit. Jacksonville beat New Orleans 31-24. And as you see on the television side, one Chris Canty is putting his one dollar bill into that bad take jar. Well, you got a, you got some nice you know, stack over there. Are you ready? How many other bad takes did you have today? Um, no, that's not for bad takes. That's for something else. But I just happen to have it in my wallet. So, <laughs> yeah, it actually works out for me where I can put a dollar in the bad take jar. I actually don't remember being so strong on the under with Thursday Night Football. Mm-hmm. I guess coming off of what we saw last week with Chiefs and Broncos, kind of. Got got me discombobulated a little bit, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, didn't uh, didn't expect that I would have to put some money in the the take jar so early in the show. But we did have the conversation afterwards about how the point totals this season have been low. Yes, surprisingly low. Yes, offense outside of Miami, they're not generating points in the manner in which they have uh, a couple years ago. So, yep. CC, I understand why maybe you would want to take the under on the points. Absolutely, especially with the red zone stuff, right? Like right. teams have struggled in the red zone. That wasn't the Jacksonville Jaguars last night. They were a perfect two for two. The New Orleans Saints on the other side. Not so much. Yeah, as we walk through that game, speaking of that, I think the game was arguably lost in the first quarter, and I know the Saints came back, but what the Saints did in the first quarter, three drives inside that red zone, well, ultimately they had a missed field goal. They have a punt after, two drives, excuse me, in the red zone. They have a punt after a fumble by Jacksonville, and then they kick a field goal when they get the ball first and 10 at the Jacksonville 17 after a muff punt, and they didn't do anything with it. After being down 14-3 in the second quarter, the Saints fans were booing like crazy. Like, they were intense in their booing. Obviously, the Saints came back in this game. Jacksonville was up 24-9 after three quarters. And then Taysom Hill had a one-yard touchdown run. Michael Thomas had a touchdown catch. Alvin Kamara with a two-point conversion. It was tied at 24 in that fourth quarter. Jacksonville then scored on a 44-yard touchdown to Christian Kirk from Trevor Lawrence. And New Orleans gets the ball back. They go 12 plays, 69 yards in 247. They have first and goal from the six. What do they have? Incomplete, incomplete, drop pass, incomplete, incomplete, ball game over, Jacksonville now 5-2. and two. Yeah, and, and it's a tale of two quarterbacks, right? There was a difference in how Trevor Lawrence responded when Christian Kirk had the early fumble. He kept going to Christian Kirk and ultimately gets rewarded by Kirk housing the game-winning catch and run. And then 
ultimately Derek Carr trying to find Chris Olave on that fade route. Remember, Derek Carr earlier in the game chewed out Chris Olave from stopping on a go ball, mm-hmm. and it, the ball ultimately ended up sailing, and, and they had no shot at being able to make a play on it. Derek Carr was demonstrative, and then Chris Olave felt like he was checked out for the majority of that game. So again, your quarterback's temperament in those types of circumstances absolutely matters. Last night, Trevor Lawrence was a stabilizing force for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he been that way for the entirety of the season. That's why you're talking about a team that's won four straight games. And here's the kicker, Smalls. This Jacksonville Jaguars team has won three games in 14 days, including a win across the pond against the Buffalo Bills, which all of us will acknowledge is a quality opponent. Remember the Miami Dolphins, the unstoppable offense? Yeah, the Bills smoked those dudes. And then the following week, you're talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars taking care of business in the London game Mm -hmm. against said Buffalo Bills. So to me, it's impressive to see the character of this team on display because even though they had the gaffes early on, the Christian Kirk fumble, and then right after that, they forced the three and out, and then their own guy, the own guy that's trying to block, runs into the punt returner as he's waving for a fair catch, forcing a turnover. Their defense sudden change holds them to a field goal. Those are the types of things that contending teams do. Those are the types of plays that contending teams make. And so I got to give credit where credit is due. That's a team that didn't flinch even when New Orleans mounted a comeback, even after a bad coaching decision with Doug Peterson going forward on fourth and inches and giving a short field to the New Orleans Saints, which they converted into a touchdown. This team found a way to overcome all of those things and get out of there with a road win on a short week with a banged-up quarterback. I was just going to say, and they did it with Trevor Lawrence, who we didn't even know if he was going to play in the game last night. You always talk about sports character, and Evan, I remember you, both of you saying you thought that he was going to play because that's the type of guy he is. Yep. If he feels like he, he can give you even 50%, 70% of himself, he's going to find a way to go out there. And I just think that we saw it last night. Trevor Lawrence, even if he's not 100%, is going to be there for his team and find a way to win. You know, there was a saying I heard a long time ago, what's wrong with being number two? I want to say it may have been in a book or something like that. And that's the theme of the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. What's wrong with being number two? I think Trevor Lawrence right now is the second best quarterback that I would have on my team for the next five years outside of Mahomes. If you said to me... Over Burrow? Over Burrow. Wow. Right this second. I, I love Trevor Lawrence. And CeCe, I'm walking you into this. Who's number two in the AMC right now behind Kansas City? Listen, you can make a case for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I, I just laid it out. What's wrong with being number two? I just laid, listen, well, nobody wants to sign up to be vice president. Everybody wants to grow up and be president. You want to be the top dog. But that's clearly the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid. Now, the question is, which one of these other teams in the AFC has the best chance of being being able to close the gap by the time we get to the playoffs when the games matter the most? I can make a strong case that it should be the Jacksonville Jaguars because of what they just did over the last two games span. This is a team that we know what they can do on the offensive side of the ball. We know their defense was tops in takeaways on the season so far. You've got a defense that's also top 10 in EPA. The only area of their defense where I'm a little bit – on the fence about is their pass rush. Trayvon Walker has not lived up to being the number one overall pick. We'll see how that comes along. But they got ballers on that side of the ball. When you look at Devin Lloyd, when you look at Foyer Aluakon, who was all over the field last night. And then on the offensive side of the ball, Travis Etienne, 1,000-yard rusher. You've got Calvin Ridley, a 1,000-yard receiver. You've got Evan Ingram, who caught 100 balls. Like You've got the talent that it takes in order to compete at the highest levels of the sport. And this was a team last year in the playoffs that went in the arrowhead, uh-huh. and it was a three-point ball game in the fourth quarter. So if we're projecting what these teams are going to be once the second season gets here, 
I'm more bullish on the Jacksonville Jaguars than I am any of the other teams that we dub contenders in the AFC. And when we talk about those teams that are contenders, one of the things that we always lean on is quarterback-head coach synergy. And we talk about Andy Reid and Mahomes. We've talked a lot about Mike McDaniel and Tua, Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy. For some reason, we don't mention, as much as we should, how much Doug Peterson has been great for Trevor Lawrence. And I remember last year when they were making that run, reading a lot about the fact that he had a relationship with Dabo and he knew how to coach Trevor the way that he needed to. And they just have a really, really great synergy with one another. And I think that... You know, if you're projecting a team out for the next five years, the Jaguars are certainly up at the top of that list. And part of it's because I love that their head coach not only knows his quarterback, but he's got a championship pedigree. He knows yeah, how no to doubt. get it done. There are two coaches, I feel like, in the last 20 to 30 years that we we sit back and we're like, oh, yeah, that guy won a Super Bowl. Brian Billick and Doug Peterson. Like, you almost just forget that Billick won with the Ravens and Doug Peterson won with the Eagles. Yeah, it's like, yeah. wait, oh, yeah, they won a Super Bowl. Like, well, we should give them more credit for with, that. With Peterson, it was such a... A convoluted exit from Philadelphia too with the Howie Roseman stuff and you know the Carson Wentz debacle. And people are giving more credit to Reich than they were Peterson yes. because he was a play caller. So and and then he didn't really have much of a of a window to stay after the fact that he wasn't that good right. for whatever that year was. But this guy gets a second chance and that QB coach combo is really good. And I have no like you say that they're the second best team in the AFC or could be the second best team in yeah. the AFC. I don't think that's that bold of a take. I think, how do you watch that team last night? Because I'm agreeing with you. And and not think, wow, if they stay healthy, they're going to get better. Their defense had a stand late. Now, they let up points late. And, okay, they're up 24-9, but they let up points late. But they also had a, a, a huge stand inside the 10-yard line to win a game. Trevor Lawrence slings the ball in a way that make one less mistake a game. He's phenomenal. He is living up, going to, I think, live up to the height. They're awesome. They're awesome. And here's the thing. They almost had a second goal-to-goal stand at the what was it, the beginning of the fourth quarter. Had it not been for Taysom Hill being able to make a Herculean effort at the goal line on a fourth down, you're talking about a defense that had the potential to stop a team first and goal from the three-yard line. So, uh, again, I think Jacksonville's defense is underrated. And to your point, Ev, this team is right there. And we then a great special teams fake the, punt that the, was awesome yeah, last exactly. night. The, the, this team is right there, and I don't think people look at it that way. I, I don't know why the narrative has been spun. Well, it's about whoever finishes at the top dog in the AFC East as the second best team in the conference. But the Jacksonville Jaguars are right there with the Dolphins, the Bills, the Baltimore Ravens, whoever else you want to put right behind the Kansas City Chiefs. They're right there. And when you look at this quarterback, head coach, and the talent that they have on both sides of the ball – why can't Jacksonville be the second-best team in this conference? Why can't Jacksonville be in the conference championship game? Guys, you know that was one of my bold predictions this year, that the uh-huh. Jags would make it to the AFC championship game. I didn't see anything last night. I haven't seen anything over the last month of football that would sway me off of that. And and I'm right there with you because I said before the season, I thought Trevor Lawrence was going to be the MVP. He's not the MVP right now, but I think he's an MVP caliber player. I, it's weird. The theme that, that you see today is, is that number two? I mean, do people look at the Jaguars right now, as CC said, and say they're the second best team in the AFC? And can you look at Trevor Lawrence and say he's the second best outside of Patrick Mahomes for the next however many years? It's almost like the Chiefs are so good and Mahomes is so good, we got to leave them to the side because yeah. we're not going to top the quarterback no. and we're not going to top the team. No. So if you ignore the Chiefs, which we shouldn't do, but for the sake of this conversation, if you ignore the Chiefs, 
I agree. The Jacksonville Jaguars have everything it takes. I'm sorry. I think Trevor Lawrence is amazing. I cannot forget what I've seen out of Joe Burrow. There is no way I can give Trevor Lawrence the, the number two behind Mahomes. Joe Burrow is that guy. He might not be that dude this season because of the injury, but Joe Burrow well, is that dude. But he's rounding into that dude. He, he, he is. He's he getting is, healthier. He and watch, I mean, I just I I cannot, small, small, I cannot small. forget what I've seen from small. Joe Burrow. Getting sacked left and right and finding a way to win all of the time. Joe Burrow is a stone-cold killer, and he's a winner. You know who's not a stone-cold killer? Oh. Derek Carr. Oh. That, is, that is the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. I mean, ha- has there been a more disappointing quarterback in, in, in the NFC than Derek Carr? Has there been? In the I, NFC specifically? I mean, yeah. Okay, because I was I was hope good. We can avoid that you're you're crushing of Russell Wilson today. <laughs> no, 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 I don't know. No. <laughs> Look, why do you always try to find ways to work Russell Wilson into the conversation? I'm saying you I, love Russell it, Wilson. Yeah, so it's good you that we can avoid talk. we can you avoid talk. that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I would throw uh, Justin Fields in the conversation just because yeah, of the expectations we had for him mm-hmm. and for the Bears this season. Um, but those were dashed pretty quickly yeah. on. Whereas I think with Derek Carr, we you know, at least for the first five weeks, we're expecting something different. Yeah, yeah I just so look, many throws early I, on. I, last he did. And yeah. I just I look at the opportunity they had. Derek Carr was supposed to be the competent quarterback that allowed the Saints to be head and shoulders above every other team in the division. Right. We live in a world now where Baker Mayfield is the best quarterback in the NFC South. I did not have that on the bingo card coming into this season. It's, I don't even know that that's debatable. It's not. No, it's I mean, the, the Saints have lost four of the last five games, and this is a, the team that has a top five, top five defense. And, and this is and this is what they have. It's clear that there's something amiss when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. I don't know if it's their coordinator Pete Carmichael. I don't know if it's the quarterback. Uh, I don't know if it's dissension amongst the skill position players. The offensive line on the interior. Maybe those guys not playing well has exacerbated things. But this has got to be on Derek Carr. For all of the people that try to defend Derek Carr and miss the dysfunction of the Las Vegas Raiders. There's no defending Derek Carr now. The bloom is off the rose with that dude. Mm-hmm. Twelve straight Saints games have combined for fewer than 40 points. It's tied, well, I guess, uh, you know, before last night, obviously. Um, it's tied for the longest streak in the last 30 seasons, which is unbelievable. Like, they never they never allow points, and they never score points, obviously, before last night. How I'll do go, you not score points with those weapons? I agree. I, I'll go one <laughs> step further for you, which is a crazy thing to think. Through, what, seven games? Yeah. If the Tampa Bay Bucks this weekend go and beat the Atlanta Falcons through seven games, the Saints are already two games back in the division. No one saw that coming. That's a significant amount of games back for that small amount of games, right? I mean, you're, you're, they're, they're almost out of it. As crazy as that sounds with, with that team. All right, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776 for your number to jump in on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Are the Jags the second-best team right now in the AFC? And Trevor Lawrence or would you take Trevor Lawrence over Burrow? Would you tra- take Trevor Lawrence over Josh Allen as the second-best quarterback behind Mahomes for the next few years? Coming up, good defense or bad offense? Why are we seeing games with such low point totals? Next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. That's a great shot. On ESPN two, that's the billions opening scene shot right oh, there. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a that's a great view of New York City. But I, th- I was distracted by Smalls nodding ahead. Is, oh, yeah. is this a bop for you, Smalls? Oh yeah, is this a bop? Never had it so good. Okay, All no, right. but that's, that's a good, that's a good boat song. CC's right. right. There are songs where you get into that zone yeah. mm-hmm. that you fast forward your day to like tonight where you're with your friends and you're hanging out and you're just like doing that, like bobbing the head thing. Other songs where you're just like doing your notes. Yeah. That was a song that, a that song. took you that to was about a 11 o'clock tonight. It took me away. Yeah, exactly. Oh, we saw it <laughs> and he brought it up. Well done, CC, And well done, Smalls. I've been going. Chris Canty, Michelle Smallman with you here. It's on Sportsman Like ESPN Radio. So uh, last night was an oddity in terms of the NFL, an overhit now. For some reason, we have seen this year where there has not been high-scoring games. And people love betting overs. They don't love betting unders. It's not as fun. Uh, the average over-under is down to 41.62 in terms of the total points for a game. How many points both teams combined score. The lowest average over-under in a single week since 2011. And we have it up on ESPN2. People can see it there. Why is this, CeCe? Is this bad QB and offensive play? Is it great defense? What is the reason we're seeing points go down? And we're seeing, obviously, with that, of course, the over-under numbers going down. Well, I don't think it's bad QB play. I I think the evolution of the passing game at the lower levels of sports has produced the golden era of quarterbacking. Like, you usually know within the first three years whether or not a guy is really good. And think about the last five years, some of the players that we've seen come into the league, the Joe Burrows of the world, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, Justin Herbert, Tua Tua when he's healthy. I mean, outstanding young quarterbacks that have the potential to wear gold jackets when their careers are all said and done. So I I think this is a, a different level of quarterback play, but the reason why scoring is down is because of the emphasis that defenses are placing on being good in special situations, third down, red zone. Those are the areas where defenses are acknowledging, okay, based on the way that the rules are oriented toward the offense, this presents the best chance at us preventing points. Being able to get off the field on third downs, being able to stop teams once we get in the red zone because there's less field space to defend. Think about it. Out in the field, it's tough. Defenses can only touch receivers for the first five yards. Then you can't put your hands on them. Balls in the air, pass interference, all of those things come into play. So you have to protect against that. Defenses have a hard time affecting the passer, intimidating the passer that they once like they once did. There is a quarterback strike zone above the kneecaps and below the neckline. If you hit a quarterback and if you hit a quarterback outside of that zone, then that's 15 yards and that's an automatic first down. So there are so many things stacked against the defense that are preventing you from being able to stop teams from moving the ball, preventing you from being able to control the middle of the field. That's why I think defenses are focused on being great in situations, and that's why we're seeing what we're seeing in the NFL. I looked at uh, some numbers last night. Mm -hmm. Through week six, over the last three seasons, red zone efficiency is down year over year, which means teams are scoring less and less and less touchdowns once they get in the red area. Why? Because it's less grass to defend, and the defense is focusing in on preventing scoring opportunities like that. So 
I think that's a, that's what we're seeing now when we start projecting these over over unders, and that's why scoring as a whole this year is down. It can't be great for the NFL, right? Like we as fans and consumers, we want to see touchdowns, we want to yeah. see points. So how can they combat that? Like if you're an offensive coordinator, how can you dial things up differently to combat the way the defense is coming at you? Just steal oh, Mike McDaniel's playbook, That'd be a great start. Maybe. That'd be a great start. But Smalls, we've already seen so many rules changes that favor the offense. Do we, do we really want to continue to move in that direction? Wait a second. As a former defensive player, I'm just like, how, how it's almost impossible to play defense in the NFL because of how skilled and how talented guys on the offensive side of the ball are and because you can't touch them. Right. Think about it. 20 years ago, when a guy came across the middle of the field, he was terrified because a linebacker or a safety was going to take his head off. There is no fear factor now when receivers go across the middle about being hit. There are defenseless receiver protections. Now, I get that there's a part of this that's player safety, but uh, the byproduct of that is offenses being able to have free reign when it comes to throwing the ball all over the yard. It's it's nearly impossible to stop teams from moving the ball up and down the field. If you're a defense, the best chance that you got is when you get in special situations, third down red zone, you capitalize on those opportunities because those are your best chances at being able to stop offenses from putting up points. I think it's funny what just happened here. Smalls brought up a suggestion, and CeCe went back to his playing days. Like, you got to be kidding me. i got to line up on Sunday, and you want to give those guys more advantages than me already? That's what you have to do. I mean, we might, we might as well take one <laughs> defensive player off the field. We play 10 <laughs> Play ten, play 10 on 11. I mean, like, 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 let's do point, it. Like, we got to get those point totals right, off. Right, Come right. on. That's we need the about. overs. We need <laughs> overs. Here's the one counter I would have. I think it is a little bit more on the offense maybe than, than you're saying. From my vantage point as a fan slash media member, here's what I would look at, right? Mm. I would say that you're right about the golden age of quarterbacks, the high end of quarterbacks. We may have more Hall of Fame quarterbacks playing today than we've had in, in any year, right? Um, but we also have more guys that I would look at and, and say – they're starting quarterbacks full-time without a doubt in this league. For example, just writing a few down. Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Kenny Pickett, Gardner Minshew, Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy G, Sam Howell, Daniel Jones, Jordan Love, Justin Fields, Baker Mayfield, playing well this year, Desmond Ritter, Derek Carr, Josh Dobbs. Those are all starting quarterbacks in the league. Circumstances allow for uh, some of them, Zach yeah. Wilson and, and um, Minshew with injuries, etc. But those are some middle-of-the-pack guys. I mean, we have more guys that are kind of middle-of-the-pack to the bottom, and the middle-of-the-pack is not that great. Because if you're pushing, like you're not a huge, you don't think Dak is a Hall of Fame quarterback, right? No. And he's kind of in that 12 to 16 range. We've done that. But now we're looking at guys like Dak and Geno Smith and even Matthew Stafford where he is in his career, and he's having a great year. Um, and they're fine. They're, they're like, I think Stafford's probably better than fine. But I don't, I don't think we have as many great quarterbacks in the league as maybe we're making it out to be. I think the top tier is phenomenal. But I think after that, it's kind of blah. I don't think we have guys that are just, like, pretty good and can win a lot of games. I don't know. I'm unimpressed with some of the quarterbacks. Well, I mean, Geno Smith was in the playoffs last year. I mean, Matt Stafford won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Now I think Matt Stafford is closer to being to the the, the group of the top five to seven quarterbacks than any of the other guys that I'm going to mention. But, yeah, I mean, you've got – the Geno Smiths, the Dak Prescotts, the Jared Goffs. Those are guys that are good quarterbacks that you can win a Super Bowl with. Right. They might not be Hall of Famers, but you can win at a high level in the sport with. Mm-hmm. But when we start talking about the the you know, the middle of the pack, once we get to, you know, fifteen, sixteen and on down, 
Yeah, I think there is always going to be that gap between teams that have conviction about who their guy is under center versus teams that are just staying with their guy until something else better comes along. And that's why we see so much turnover at the quarterback position. Every year we talk about six to eight head coaches, you know, changing spots, coaches getting fired, coaches getting hired. It's the same with quarterbacks. A quarter of the league every single offseason is looking to do something at the quarterback position in the way of an upgrade. I don't, I don't think that's changed throughout the, the, the last three or four decades in the National Football League. That's always the case because it's a quarterback star of league, and we see the difference that having a quarterback can make, ergo last night mm-hmm. with the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New Orleans Saints, and not having a quarterback. So that's, that, that's the biggest thing. I still think this is the golden era of quarterback play. I think what we're seeing in terms of scoring being depressed is more about defenses focusing on special situations. Do you also think there's something to some of those top-tier guys not being themselves this year? Like, Joe Burrow's been injured. He's just now rounding into form, but he hasn't been himself through uh, at least half of the first Mm -hmm. start of the season. Aaron Rodgers isn't there. Josh Allen has been consistent. While the Eagles were stacking up wins, that offense certainly hadn't found their rhythm yet. So the the – if you're looking at the scale, the top-heavy part of it hasn't really been who we expected That's them to be. That's a good point. That's a good point. The givens have not been that given. Correct. Like, uh, that much of a given this year. We, we don't write them off, but we think, oh, they're great, they're great. But they're actually not that great in numbers this year. Coming up, have we seen the last of Jimmy G as a full-time starter? We'll get to that next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. What's that? This is Four Downs. First down. Yes, it is time for four downs here on Unsportsmanlike. Michelle Smallman has four questions for Chris Canty and I have in right. And it's brought to you by Geico. Insurance can be hard. That's why Geico makes it easy with 24-7 claims, service, and on-the-go policy info on the app. It, it's, e- it's easy. Go to geico.com for more. For each down, we're going to look at a matchup, and I'm going to pose a question to you guys. So let's go to the first one, Raiders at Bears kickoff, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Have we seen the last of Jimmy G as a full-time starter? No, Smalls. Now, it might be the last time with him as the full-time starter for the Raiders, but Jimmy Garoppolo is 43-19 and as a starter in the NFL. The only problem is Jimmy Garoppolo has only had one full season as a quarterback. He's made it through the season, played all 16 regular season games. So this is a guy that's always getting banged up. You can't rely on him. I think he's a bridge quarterback, although a very nice, very handsome bridge. 
But he's a guy that is <laughs> emblematic of the Drake line, just something to do when there's nothing to do. That's Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. <laughs> Can I, I need to answer that question with the questions. I need your help, CeCe. What's up? In, in regular life, when you're full-time, it means you're working 40 hours a week, you have benefits, et cetera. Yeah. What is full-time in the NFL? How many games do you look at that a quarterback needs to start to be considered full-time? Not the intention. I'm saying the reality. Oh, I would probably say the majority – like. Pretty much every game. Okay, so then no, he's not. Unfortunately, and yeah. I'm a Jimmy G fan. He he was more of a part time co- teammate in essence, yeah. right? I mean, because if he, I don't see how you can project him to start 17 games. Now I'd want him on my team. I think he can win games 43 and 19, as CC said. But he's not a full time teammate. Well, listen, my my quarterback, my context is Eli Manning, who started what 100 plus games. Right, he's full time. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. he never missed a game. So that's my context. That's a full time quarterback. That's the job. Other guys can get banged up and miss, but the entire hopes and dreams of the team rest in the hands of the quarterback. You got to be out there on the field, dog. Absolutely, but when he is out there, he's more often than not winning You're games. Good. This is a guy You're that you see yes. get through the playoffs, get to a Super Bowl. So even though he does have the injury history, don't you think some team is going to want to take a flyer on Jimmy Garoppolo? He's a good, as, as Cece said, a very, no, you said handsome. I'll say a uh, very handsome bridge <laughs> quarterback. Yeah. The one season that he did play all 16 games, his team was in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. Second down. Second down. Commanders at Giants, 1 p.m. Eastern Time kickoff. Saquon Barkley, he says he doesn't want to be traded. But should the Giants? No, I mean, that never crossed my mind. Obviously, I've been public and vocal about how I feel about this organization and uh, where I want to be. But like I said, um, knowing the business and seeing that side of it, there's a lot of things that I can't control. So um, sitting here, everyone knows how I feel. No one, everyone knows I don't want to get traded. Or I mean, I don't think anybody in their right mind would want to get traded anywhere. It's not an easy thing to do. You got to move. I have a family. Uh, I would love to be here, but like I said, it's not in my control. My focus is to be the leader I can be for the team and try to get this thing on the right track. So you just heard Saquon's POV. He does not want to leave New York, but should the Giants listen to offers? You always listen, Smalls. Now, I don't think the Giants are going to th- get anything materially better than the draft pick they'd be in line for based on the NFL's compensatory pick formula. But if you get a second-round pick, trade him. If you get multiple mid-round picks, trade him. But I don't think the Giants are going to be able to command that in a trade just because Saquon Barkley's injury history. I totally agree with you. I think that basically what needs to happen here is they need to talk to Saquon's representatives and say, listen, here's what we're going to tell you right now what our offer is going to be at the end of the season. You want it or not? And then I know they can't do it now, but have some sort of understanding and direction of we're going to offer you two years, $18 million all in. That's way below where you are right now, but we're not going much higher than that. I'm making up numbers. And if they don't feel like, yeah, he's going to sign that, then you have to trade him. Yeah, because, yes, the compensatory pick, I get it, but get it now. Have some ammo. Get some prep going. Like, I just, it, what's the point? They stink. Yeah, they're not going to the playoffs. Yeah. So if you're not going to the playoffs, why not reset and get ready for next year? And a part of that would be getting more draft picks. If Saquon Barkley is attractive to another team, you got to trade him. And, and by the if, way, if yeah. it's a better pick than the compensatory pick that you would get for Saquon staying on the team. So you need to be ice cold. You need to not care about how he's been the face of the franchise well, and that's that's that he's beloved with Giants fans. Right, that's the problem. In this specific <laughs> well, in this specific <laughs> case, his his what what he is on the yeah. field is great. Yeah. His who also matters to a franchise like the Giants. He seems like, a, as you said, a great face of the franchise. But He's a great face. I'd like to see that face on the field more often. And when your face is a running back, you're not going to win. Simple as that. Third down. Third down.
Falcons at Bucks, 1 p.m. Eastern time. A couple weeks ago, I said to you guys, should we be believing in Baker Mayfield and the Bucks?" Cece, at the time you said, no, don't fall into it, Smalls, don't fall into the trap. Have we swung the other way? Are we believing in them now? I can't believe I'm doing this because in my notes I said no, but right now I have to say yes because I did my notes before I watched Thursday Night Football and seeing how bad the Saints are, knowing how bad Desmond Ritter is with the Falcons and seeing how the Carolina Panthers are winless in October. I, yes, I have to be a believer in the Bucks by default because everybody in the NFC South is so damn terrible. Like they, they are like the like the NFC South, like the the Bucks are the team. That 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 you, that are the beneficiaries of circumstance. It's like me walking into a classroom and being proud that I'm the tallest person. That is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFC South. This this team is going to march into the playoffs, and I don't know that it's going to be all that dramatic. I think this is something that we can see coming even before Week Seven really gets going. There's nobody else in the South that's going to challenge the Bucks. So let me see if I could reword this then. Because maybe this will help stick to your the integrity of your notes for the game last night. Is it that we believe in the Bucks, or just flat out Chris Canty does not believe in the Falcons, Panthers, and Saints? Because saying you believe in the Bucks would mean maybe they go a little bit further than you thought. I think it's more of I don't believe in the other three teams. So let me take the team that has a championship pedigree yep. minus the quarterback, yep. great wide receivers. A great defensive-minded head coach and Todd Bowles out there. I don't believe in the other ones, so this one makes more sense than the other ones. Yeah, Is that more fair? That that's fair. Because I, you just said I believe in the Bucks. I want to give you a chance to take that back if you want to take that but back. But I mean, if they're going to be in the playoffs, don't you say you have to believe in them? They're going to be gonna, in the they playoffs. They win a playoff game. I don't think they're going to win a playoff game. I don't think they're going far. But I didn't think that the NFC South would have a team that could go on a deep playoff run before the season started. But the one I just team... didn't think that it would be the Tampa Bay Bucks. I thought it would be the New Orleans Saints right, because right. they got Derek Carr. And that's a team that's lost four of their last five. They're going no. no. And let their me, one let, win was let, to let the Let Pats. me rephrase that. I was about to say they're going nowhere fast. What I meant to say was they're going in the toilet fast. Oh. That That's how bad this team is. And I I – the perception of who Derek Carr is has to change. Now, I don't think Dennis Allen, their head coach, is helping the matter. Like, he might not be all of the problems, but he damn sure ain't the solution either. So, they got a lot of problems going on in New Orleans, but the beneficiaries of it are the Tampa Bay Bucks. So, by default, I got to believe in the Bucks. And we have to give credit to Baker Mayfield. We thought, oh, this is the guy that they're going to just plug in there because yeah. he's a cheaper option. He was cast off by other teams. He's going to be, as we, we talk about Jimmy G as a bridge, everybody thought Baker Mayfield was just going to be the bridge from the post-Tom yeah. Brady era into the next franchise I still think he's going to be. But he's taken this opportunity and he's run with yeah, it. Yeah, it's more of a Geno Smith bridge than it is a Tyrod Taylor bridge, I guess. I don't know how, how it's sad. He, play, he amount- played awful against the Lions, but he's still top ten in QER. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how the Bucks are doing this. I don't. This is this is a magic trick that Todd Bowles is playing on us. I don't know how it's happening right now, but it's happening, and I have to believe in them because everybody in their division is so terrible. Fourth down. Okay. Fourth down. Interesting matchup: Chargers at Chiefs, four twenty-five p.m. Eastern is the kick. Now. The Chargers are coming off that tough loss 2017 to Dallas where Justin Herbert missed some crucial throws. Is this a prove-it game for Justin Herbert? What do you mean interesting matchup? What part of this is interesting? The Chiefs are going to crush them. The the Chiefs are going to crush them. The Chargers are not that good. I don't know why we have to keep getting fooled by the Chargers because we see the aura that the NFL puts out there, Smalls. Literally the tweet with the hair and everything around Justin Herbert. They ain't good. 
I'm sorry. They're not that good. The Chiefs are going to rock them this weekend. Completely agree, Cosign, all of the things. <laughs> I, I would say this. I think it's more of a prove-it game for Brandon Staley than it is for Justin Herbert. Like, good players can't overcome bad coaching. And over the last two years in the Brandon Staley era of football for the Chargers, they got more nine law, more losses in one-score games than anybody else in football. They've got nine of them. So, I mean, at some point, your head coach has to find a way to be the difference in those close games. Now, I get it. Justin Herbert didn't play well on Monday Night Football, and that's what we hold on to, mm-hmm. and we criticize him, rightfully so. But Brandon Staley has to find a way where it's not always on Justin Herbert to perform miracles, trying to turn water into wine, making him right on terrible coaching decisions late in football games. Something about that has to change. Against the Kansas City Chiefs would be a good place to start. And remember, the Chiefs' mindset, I guarantee you, is that they're coming off of a loss. Even though they won that game against the Broncos, it was ugly. They yeah, didn't play right. that well. They probably have that we're coming off of a loss mindset. Smalls, great job as always. Four downs with Smalls. Brought to you by Geico. Insurance can be hard. That's why Geico makes it easy with 24-7 claims and claim service. And uh, the on-the-go policy info in the app, it's easy to go Geico. Coming up. Will boys to men be sung in Ann Arbor? Next. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It's unnatural. Come on, Smalls. It is Unsportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. Boys to men, end of the road. Plan behind us there. Are we heading towards the end of the road here, potentially, with Jim Harbaugh and Michigan? Because now we are seeing that the NCAA is looking into Michigan's alleged sign-stealing operation, sources told ESPN on Thursday. I read from ESPN.com. Pete Thamel, Mark Schlebaugh had this report. Connor Stallions, a football analyst with the Wolverines, retired captain in the U.S. Marine Corps, is a person of interest in an investigation into whether number 2-ranked Michigan violated an NCAA rule by scouting future opponents in person at games. Sources said the NCAA prohibited such scouting in 1994. Now, when I first heard this story yesterday, I got really confused. And the reason I got confused is because I've covered a million NBA games in my life. And and when you go to an NBA game and you sit at the press row area, they have like all the little seating labels. And it's like advanced scout New York Knicks, advanced scout Los Angeles Lakers. And they have all of these actual positions, and I'm sure they have it in other sports, with advanced scouts. So when I heard, oh, Michigan's going to get in trouble for advanced scouting, I sat back and I said, what? I didn't know you weren't allowed to do this. I thought that was what you were supposed to be doing. <laughs> I don't. I don't get it. No, I don't get it either. And and this is one of those things that gets a little convoluted because not only do coaches in organizations in the National Football League do this, but there are players in the National Football League that do this. Mm-hmm. Think about some of the best players, the best quarterbacks the game has seen over the last two decades. 
they have been known to send their own people to games of future opponents just so they can see the operations, so they can understand and try to get some of the signals because you never know what that one tidbit, that one piece of information could do in real time and how that can give you insight as to the play that you could potentially make. So there are guys that had their own people on payroll that they would send out to future opponents' games in order to try to get information and decipher signals. So this has been going on since the beginning of football. I'm surprised that the NCAA is has enough evidence or has enough of these claims substantiated where they're launching this type of investigation because this seems like this would be a relatively simple operation that they would be able to keep within within the family for if you're the Michigan Wolverines for some information to get out and for it to rise to this level where the NCAA is launching a formal investigation. I'm surprised by that, Small. Yeah, sometimes in the NFL they even tape the walkthroughs. You know, it is pretty commonplace. Allegedly. Alleg- anyway, do you think it's the nature, though, of what they're doing? Because in, in the reporting at ESPN.com, many times it was – described as, quote, elaborate. It's an elaborate scouting system to steal signals. So maybe it's the manner in which they're doing it. But this is the crazy thing. In other sports, when you say, like, elaborate, or when in the article, elaborate system, like... It's you not really, elaborate. It's you, a camera. It, <laughs> and, and you put in a request with the team, hey, Chris Canty, representative of the Ravens, Giants, Cowboys, would like a press pass for this, and they're going to look like... This is part of the job in other things. So we, I have a theory as to why this is a, a rule. Okay. And it may be wrong, but it's a theory, and I don't... And it's, it's typical NCAA. My assumption as to why this is a rule and why it's actually outlawed has nothing to do with sign-stealing or cheating. It has to do with the fact that the NCAA is so hung up on everybody having an equal playing field in all ways, shapes, or forms that Michigan, a school with a gazillion dollars, can afford a full-time employee, let's say, to go and be an advanced scout, where a non-BCS conference, non-Power 5 conference school can't necessarily afford the extra staffers to do that. Thus, there's an imbalance in which they're going against each other. That's the only logic, CC, that I could come up with as to why you'd have a rule where every other sport at every other level allows this to happen. I hear you on that, Ev. I just don't know how how cost prohibitive it is to have a person get on a plane and go with a camera or some binoculars yeah. and look in the, from the stands at what's going on in the sidelines and what's being communicated to the players on the field. I get it, and I'm not that, saying you're that's, wrong. That's, but that's it, the part of it that, like, I just I. But I, I, I've I, seen it because I've I've done play by play for non Power Five conference schools, and I see the way that they travel. I see the the expenses that they have. I see what they can and can't do, and it feels a lot different than probably what you were used to at Virginia or what Power Five conference schools. No, used no to. I get it, but I guess my whole point is we're talking about something as simple as one individual going to a game. They can purchase their own ticket if they're not given a press pass by the opposing team, and they can sit in the stands with their camera phone or with a set of binoculars, as a lot of fans come to the games with, and figure out exactly what's going on, what's being communicated, and log it in whatever spreadsheet that they want to and give it back to the coaches on staff. This is something that I'm surprised at, that the NCAA got wind of this. I guess with everything ongoing with Jim Harbaugh and the recruiting violations, that there's a microscope under it. And remember, Jim flew in the face of the discipline that the NCAA wanted to give him. He went with the self-imposed discipline that was levied by the school and their athletic director, Ward Manuel. And so now this is just another layer of controversy on a Michigan program that's trying to get back to the college football playoff. All right, so Pete Thamel, ESPN senior college football writer, reporter, joined the 6 p.m. Sports Center yesterday on ESPN and discussed the Harbaugh situation. 
Well, Jim Harbaugh served a three-game suspension this season. That was a school self-imposed suspension, Kevin. Schools tend to self-impose on the lighter side. That means he still has some exposure in the recruiting allegations in which he allegedly lied to the NCAA or misled the NCAA. So Harbaugh still basically has some punishment left. Now, this leaves him with some, some exposure to potentially things that happen in his program. Now, he denied knowledge of it today. We want to be very clear about that. But there are coach control rules of things that happen in your program that you're presumed responsible for. So Harbaugh now could be looking at a double whammy from the NCAA if these allegations of sign stealing and opponent scouting in particular prove to be true. And most importantly, the NCAA can prove them. All right. So uh, the Kevin he's referring to on the 6 p.m. Sports Center, of course, the great Kevin Nagandi, who is probably not thrilled today with his Phillies losing last night to the Diamondbacks. He and Pat yep. Costello in yeah. tears this morning after that one. Of course, all the games heard on ESPN Radio. What does this now mean for Harbaugh? Because we've had all kinds of speculation about him to the NFL. He was extremely successful in the NFL with the San Francisco 49ers. We know there are going to be ties back to the Bears, where he obviously mm. played. What do we think this means for the future of Harbaugh? Not a damn thing. Jim Harbaugh Nothing. ain't going nowhere. No. He's too important to the business of college football. Jim Harbaugh's not going anywhere. The, Michigan being good again and Michigan-Ohio State being the game again with Michigan winning two in a row, like that, that is huge for college football. So they can investigate Jim Harbaugh all that they want. I, I, I guess this is probably more of an investigation to serve as a deterrent than it is to probably do anything to Jim. I don't think anything of consequence is going to come of this because I think it's just so hard to prove that he had direct knowledge of it or that he should have had knowledge of it. Now, I could be wrong. But because Jim Harbaugh is so good for the business of college football and because he is the face of a program that generates revenue in the hundreds of millions of dollars annually, I don't think anything is going to happen to him that's going to change his status with the university and him potentially defecting to the NFL. I don't think the university will want him out. I just wonder if he'll want out. Yeah, the university talking about they want to give him a contract instead. They, they want to sure make him. Do. They want to make him the highest paid coach in the Big Ten. They have made that. He's made Michigan more relevant than they've been in a long exactly. time. He, they don't want him to go anywhere. I just wonder if he's looking at all of this mounting and he's like, "This is my exit exit strategy." He's awesome. They can't hire somebody better than him. I'm, I'm so, that's not an insult to Michigan. He's that good. He is that good. Of course, all the college football action presented by Dr. Pepper, USC, Utah, and ESPN Radio and the ESPN app coming up this weekend. We're on Sportsmanlike. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.